Guys, we are in a series. This series has been going on for now quite a few weeks. And what we're trying to say is we're trying to say no more to besetting sins. No more to besetting sins. What's a besetting sin? A besetting sin are those sins that you and I keep going back to that we don't want to come back to. It's what our brothers were confessing. There is something that I keep on going back to that I don't want to come back to, but I find myself coming back to. That's a besetting sin. So this series is called No More Besetting Sins, or for short, No More BS. We do not want to run back to those besetting sins that have harmed us and that have hurt us our whole lives. We want to walk in the newness of life that Christ has given us. Now, in the first week, we laid out a foundation for the entire series. And I even gave you hand gestures. And the entire rest of the series, after the first week, is literally a, uh, it's, it's a, an outflow or a strategy how to do these first three things that we learned on the first week. Now, here's why you want to um, pay attention to what we're saying today and even to listen to the series if you can go on our podcast or go on our website, www.rhbk.org. Uh, the reason is, listen to me, we're fighting for your joy. Your joy is at stake. We think that when we um, act out on sin, that we'll find our pleasure there. We won't. And if you don't believe me, just think back. Just think back to where all the pleasure of your sin brought you to. Beloved, trust me. I am a world class, I have a PhD in falling into temptation and falling into sin. Beloved, it wounds, it cripples, it scars, it shames, it hurts. Your joy is at stake. But not just your joy, your marriage. You go, I'm not married yet. Well, maybe. Your marriage is at stake. Because the way you handle temptation is what you think is going to get better when you get married. It doesn't. It only gets accentuated. And wait, your singleness is at stake. You go, what do you mean? I mean that waiting for that person that God, you feel that God wants to bring to you, this is a challenging and a, a growing place for you. And you, I don't know if you know this, but you generally tend to attract who you are. And so you want to use this time to say no to sin, no to BS, no to besetting sin, and say yes to Jesus. For some of us, now, for some of us, uh, for a lot of us, our health is at stake. When we act out on sin, whether it's food or drugs or sex, we, we jeopardize our life and health. And so you want to, beloved, you want to fight for joy and pursue Jesus and say no to besetting sins or say no to B.S. Now, we said in that first week, we said this, we need, to, we need to think out, we need to dig down, and we need to look up. Would you do that with me? We need to think out, we need to dig down, and we need to look up. One more time for the rebellious people, okay? We need to think 
out, we need to dig down and we need to look up. Yeah, this is so important. Now, we think out. What are we saying? We're saying play the whole tape, play the whole movie, find out exactly where your sin is going to take you because all you can think about is the highlight of the one-night stand. You can't think of what divorce court is going to feel like. You can't think of what, right, like, you know, think out the implications. How is your child's face going to look when you tell? What is going to happen when the doctor tells you you contracted something? Think out. Then we're going to dig down. The importance of this is that when we um, act out on sin, we often focus on the surface sin, the thing we do, dirty picture, said a bad word, you know, whatever it is. But it's the sin under the sin that we're trying to address. It's the thing that you really want. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. If you want more, we'll, uh, you can get that sermon. And then not only do we think out and dig down, find out where the root of that uh, sin is, but we also look up. We find in Jesus the very thing that we've been looking for our whole lives. And this series is an outflow of a strategy of how to do those three things. That's what the entire series is about. And so we said, okay, how do we do those three things? Well, the first thing we need to do is we need to avoid. That when temptation comes in your life, we need to avoid it. It does you no good. It does you no good. Listen. If you are addicted to crack, it wouldn't be helpful to find a bed in a crack house. It would be too much temptation for you. You got to avoid those things. You can't make it easy for Satan. You got to avoid those things, right? And then we said, but wait, you just don't avoid. The strategy is not just avoiding the sin, but we got to say, no to sin. On the count of three, somebody say no. One, two, three. No. no. A strong, hearty no to sin. That Because sometimes I avoid sin, but a, a lot of my sin is right between my ears. And so the temptation comes, and immediately, like within the first five seconds, I got to go, no. That is not what I want. No to destroying my family. No to destroying my ministry. No to destroying my health. No to destroying my kids. No to destroying. No. Because this is only going to bring death, death of relationships, death of hope, death of joy. No. So we start with avoiding, but we can't avoid everything, so we no. Then we turn. We turn from our sin. We find out that Jesus is better than our sin, so we turn. We stop looking for our sin to satisfy us, but in fact, look to Jesus. We got to turn. It's, uh, what we said here is that you never, ever turn from one affection without attaching yourself onto another affection, right? You know why it was easy to forget your ex-boyfriend of three, of two times ago? Because of your ex-boyfriend of one time ago, right? Does that make sense? Right? Like when you broke up with him, it was like, oh, life is over. Give me whatever, like, culturally appropriate slow song is in your head. Right? Like, you know, uh, right? And, and so you, you do that, and you go, oh, but wait, when you meet the new guy, it's like, Psh, who was that? What was his name? Roger? Re Reverend? You know, what was that? You don't even remember his name. Why, 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 why? Because the, because the one way, everybody knows this. Your 16-year-old friends know this, that when you got dumped or when you got heartbroken when you were 16 years old, what, they, what did everybody try to do? They try to hook you up with somebody else. Why? Because they know that the one way to get rid of one affection is to turn to another affection. So we said turn, right? 
So what is it? The first one is one, two, three. Avoid. All right. The first one is what? Avoid. The second one is to? No. Next is to? Then, then we held on. Because temptation is going to come. Temptation is going to come. And there's going to come a point where now you got to hold on. You go, you go, oh, man, Edwin, I did everything you said. I avoided it. I said no. I turned, but I could. it didn't work for me. And I go, dang, man, that's terrible. How long did you avoid saying no? And to, it's like, ah, must have been three minutes. <laughs> and for some of us, that's a long time to say. That's a long time. So we said, no, 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 we got to hold on. We got to hold on. Don't be a... Don't be a, I can't say what I want to say, but don't be a sissy. Don't be a punk. You're in a war. You got a war against sin. And sometimes it doesn't, it doesn't, the temptation doesn't leave in the first five minutes. Now, if you want to hear any one of these sermons, we literally took a week to talk about each one of these. You can go ahead and check it out. Um, This week, we're going to talk about, and for my brothers in the cheap seats, And for everyone else, I'm teasing. Um, We're going to, listen to me. We're going to learn the next step or the next strategy in overcoming sin. And it's this, listen to me. Joy. We want you to enjoy. You see, just like when we turn to Christ. So we... We want you to enjoy. You have to cultivate a lifestyle of joy. You know who, you know when I've fallen to sin? I fall into sin when I'm in, when I'm tired, when I'm stressed. I fall into sin when I'm dissatisfied, right? In other words, sin only looks like a temptation when I am, when I am, when I, I'm not filled with joy. I got to cultivate a lifestyle of joy, of delight. Got to cultivate a lifestyle of delight. And so, here's the thing. When you and I run towards sin, there's something that we're actually looking for that sin to deliver. Now, I want you to ask you a question. When you go towards your sin, when you pick at your thing, when you go to your bugaboo, your thing that you love to run to when everything is stressed out, what is it that you're looking for? In order to find out what you're really looking for, you have to shift from condemnation to curiosity. From condemnation to curiosity. So let me ask you guys. When you're putting in your search engine, if I looked in your search engine, okay, what would I find that you were searching for? You go, oh, I was searching for, and then, you know, like the, the, right, there are kids in here, so I can't be vulgar. Uh, I shouldn't be vulgar anyway, but my point is, my point is, is like, let's say, for instance, okay, 
you say, blue blenders, right? That's the, that's the search engine. You're looking for blue blenders. Well, what is it to think? Well, really what I want is a shake. Like, I want to be able to make shakes. Well, why do you want shakes? Well, because I want to be healthier. Oh, so you're not looking for blue blenders. You're looking for health. You're looking for a more fit body. Is that what you're saying? Yes, that's what I'm saying. Do you see what I'm saying when I'm asking you to be curious? See, what's your blue blender? What's your blue blender really pointing to? Look at your search. Be curious. What does your search engine reveal about what you're looking for? Because that thing that you're looking for can only be found in its fullness in Christ. It's a godly, wonderful, glorious pursuit that Satan wants to twist and disintegrate. See, what we're doing now is we're trying to dig down. Do you understand? We're trying to find out the thing under the thing. So we want to cultivate a life of delight. And so you saw it in our meditation scripture. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. What we must know is that when we take delight in the Lord, it's the Lord that becomes the desire of our heart. We find in him all the things we were always looking for. So, right? Yeah. So, let's keep going, because this is, uh, it's in Psalm 34, 8. It tells us that there's an experiential a time that we have with Jesus that transforms our hearts. It says this in Psalm 34, 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Now listen, beloved. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. You might not have tasted in a long time. There's a lot of us here who we've delighted in the Lord. You got saved and nobody could tempt you. In fact, you got saved and crack and whores and alcohol and uh, food and nothing could tempt you. You were just floating on air. You had tasted and seen that Jesus was everything that you hoped for and then you didn't build a lifestyle of joy. You didn't build a lifestyle of joy. And your, your whole walk with Christ became a historic event. Tell me, what is Jesus doing in your heart? Oh, let me tell you about what happened that day 12 years ago. Oh, my goodness. He took me out of the muck and the mire. He's freed me from my alcoholism. He delivered me from my womanizing. He took this heart of stone and turned it into flesh. Oh, if I could tell you about that day. It was June 23rd, 5.30 a.m. in the morning. The sun was just coming out. I tell you, I remember that day. And then you lost your first love. You lost the joy. Why? Because there's a a cultivation of joy. Like, watch this. So today, today I got one of my most delightful things, okay? This is one of my favorite things in the whole world, right? So the Rodriguez family, um, today, I don't know if you knew this, today is, uh, I, I just found this out yesterday in our uh, uh, thing meeting. It's like Pastor's Appreciation Day. Did you know that? 
Yeah, it's like, y'all don't appreciate that. Okay, I get it. Okay, it's cool. But it's, but so the Rodriguez family gave me one of my favorite things. It, I, I can, I almost want to end this sermon early just so I can enjoy <laughs> my favorite thing. This is like one of my favorite, I'm not even kidding. So it's banana bread pudding. Have you ever had banana bread pudding? I tell you, they gave me enough to share with all of y'all, and I'm not sharing with none of y'all. That's how much I enjoy this thing, right? It's, I'm talking about taste and see that the banana bread pudding is good, right? Like, it's like that. It's, it's like one of my favorite and delightful um, uh, things in the world, right? But we're talking about cultivating, uh, right? So if I ate banana bread pudding two years ago, that's wonderful, but it won't sustain. I'm gonna, if I eat that today and tomorrow I don't eat anything, and I look back and I go, oh, let me tell you about this banana bread pudding. Woo, it was good. Oh my gosh, you could taste the vanilla wafers. It was fresh and unbelievable and all the cream that they put on it, it was amazing. And then I don't, and you're like, okay, you look fine. And then you don't eat anything the next day. And it's like, Ed, how are you doing? Oh man, I'm doing great. And then day 14, Ed, you're looking a little skinny, but let me tell you about the banana pudding. Can I tell you about it? Change or turn my life around. Day 46. Day 46. Like in the hospital. And go, Ed, what's wrong? Why don't you just, no, 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 I, I just, it's, you can see, that's absurd, right? I'm being absurd. I know I'm being absurd. But what I'm trying to say is, is that you cannot survive today on yesterday's nourishment. Your joy will not thrive today on yesterday's miracles, on yesterday's experiences, on yesterday's prayers. We need to cultivate a lifestyle of joy. Now, I say cultivate a lifestyle of joy because when you're in the midst of your temptation, when you're in the midst of your temptation, that's a good thing. Let me tell you something. You know when the best, you know when the best time in the world to start a diet? Do you know the best time in the world to start a diet? Yeah, it was yesterday. You know, you know when the second best time in the world to start a diet? Right now. Does that make sense? And so if you're being tempted, if you're being tempted, you can start to cultivate a, a lifestyle of joy. But I got to share with you. It's probably, it's a tough road for you. It's going to be a tough road. It can be done. Jesus is able. But what I want to share with you is that it's a lifestyle. Now, so like I, I shared this um, with others yesterday, and you've heard me share this illustration. It, I'll never forget this, but it's such a good illustration. I went to the beach with my family, and the, it was just, you know, one of those things I went, I was enjoying the time with my family. It was great. And there was this guy who was very, very out of shape, very at it, needed no padding for his Santa Claus uh, outfit, right? Very out of shape. And he was about, I don't know, let's say 10, 20 yards away from us. And he started to do like this particular thing where he started to do uh, sit-ups. And I remember looking at him and I said, eh, too late. <laughs> too late. Now that was fresh and nasty and terrible. And the fact is, and the fact is, 
hey, man, if you're going to start, start. All right, if it's at the beach, that's a good time. I'm being immature and being fresh. What I'm trying to say is, though, is that you don't want to wait till you're on the beach of temptation before you start enjoying the delight of the Lord. Do you understand? Because and then you won't get the result. You may not get the results that you're longing for. Does this make sense? So we're looking for joy. So after we've done all this negative, st- it's, it, when I say negative stuff, I mean like it's like, you know, we're fighting, we're warring, we're, we're really, you know, we're saying, man, we're avoiding it. Man, we're saying no. Man, we're turning. Man, we're holding on. We got to start enjoying Jesus. Look at, um, uh, in fact, let's, so, so how do we cultivate joy? In our lives. How do we cultivate joy? I got to go because we're running out of time. Okay, so how do we cultivate joy in our lives? There's four ways that we're going to cultivate joy in our lives, and they're taken from these two passages. Okay, Psalm 63, 1 through 5, and Matthew 20, 25 through 28. Let me read them to you as we stand. Would you just stand with me in reading of God's word? One of the traditions we have here is we stand at the reading of God's word. And the reason that we stand is because we want to remind our bodies that God's word, we stand at attention. God is glorious. His word is true. In fact, his word has more authority in my life than my feelings or my thoughts. So we stand at attention at God's word because he's awesome. So I'm going to read to you, and I usually don't do this. I usually only just do one. If you, ever, if you come for the next 10 years, I don't think I've done this for 10 years, where I use multiple verses. I just try to dig into one verse, but this is, I couldn't make this another three-week series and, uh, on what it looked like, or four-week series on what it looked like to enjoy God. So I, I hope that you um, get this. So in Psalm 63, 1 through 5, I'll read it to you. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied. Someone say satisfied. Say, I will be fully satisfied. Be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. Yes. Now, I want to jump and... And when I, when I help you, when we see the four things, you'll, you'll see them more clearly. But I just want you to see Matthew 20, 25 through 28. It says this, Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Whoever wants, instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. What do those two passages have to do about joy? Everything. Now, please, this is God's word. Um, Please have a seat. Okay. Okay. Now, we ask this question. 
How do we cultivate a lifestyle of enjoying Jesus? How do we cultivate? There are going to be four things. I'm going to give you all four right now, and I'm going to keep them up so that you could see them, and then we're going to talk about them. Fair? What, what are we talking about? We're talking about creating a lifestyle of joy. Guys, listen to me. If you want it to work out, if you want it to work out, do you think that after the first day of being in the gym, I, I've done this a hundred times, especially when I was a young guy. I came out of the gym, I worked out, and then I went in front of a mirror and flexed. Have you ever done No, nobody's ever done that, right? 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 You spend an hour on the treadmill, you come home, and then you just go, oh, look at that. It's working. You know you're lying. So the fact is, it doesn't work that fast, right? Because something that you want to cultivate takes time. So this is what we're going to do, and it's going to take time. And here's what I know about Christian maturity. Christian maturity is, listen to me, is always dependent on Jesus. It's always incremental, means it comes in small doses. And it always takes time, like your rest of your life. So it's like, you know, my, my, my son, right? The, 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 well, I have two sons, but I'm thinking of my younger son because he's still growing. And so his growth depends on Jesus. The breath in his lungs, the food that he gives him, it depends on Jesus. His growth does. But it's also incremental. In other words, it's little by little. None of y'all can see. It's just like, you know, on one day you see my son and you go, oh my gosh, you're getting so big, right? But it doesn't happen like you see him day by day. That doesn't, you don't see it. And then, and finally, it's, it takes time, right? It, it, it's going to take him 18 years to get to the full uh, in terms of physical. And even then. His brain is still going to still be developing until he's like 25. And so you, you get what I'm saying. It takes time. What I'm about to share with you takes time. So how do we cultivate a lifestyle of enjoying Jesus? I want, you to, I want you to say it this way. How do I cultivate a lifestyle of enjoying Jesus? Okay, on the count of three. One, two, three. How do I cultivate a lifestyle of enjoying Jesus. And not only how do I, but how do we as a congregation, as a body of Christ, as a family of Jesus, how do we cultivate a lifestyle of joy, of delight? Well, here are the four ways. One is we ponder the Savior. Pondering, we do it by pondering the Savior, the doing of service, the meditating of, on Scripture, and the sitting in silence. Pondering the Savior, doing of service, meditating on Scripture, sitting in silence. Notice that the psalmist takes time to go to the house of the Lord. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. The psalmist says there's something about looking to Jesus. There's something about glorifying in God. There's something about meditating on all that God has done that brings joy in my life. I have to, so think about this. Listen to me. Listen to me. Jesus has done great things. Before you were born, great things during your life, and will do great things after. We need to sit with those things. What has Jesus done? Jesus has defeated hell and death 
and sin. I mean, he's defeated it. We're not looking forward to it. He's already done it. He's done it on the cross. We can delight in that. You got to think about it. The reason that we're not like going, hallelujah, as I say that, is because you haven't taken the time to cultivate a delight in Jesus. Listen to me. He's, did you know? Did you know this? Listen to me. Every single one of your sins are forgiven. Holy cow! That's big deal! That means you don't have to walk around with shame. That means you don't have to live with the, with the, the shrinking feeling like God doesn't love you. Beloved, ponder Jesus. What has he done? What is he doing now? Your body's breaking down. What has Jesus done? Jesus is going to give me a new body in the new heavens and the new earth. Your marriage is falling apart. Jesus gives me a new wedding to look forward to with the perfect spouse. You're single and you feel lonely. Jesus is going to give me the perfect spouse so that I might enjoy the union that I've so longed for here on this earth. Jesus has forgiven your sins. Jesus, do you see what we're saying? You got to ponder the Savior. You got to look to him. He's the one. And do that until the hairs on your arms stand up. Like look to him and find in him the thing that you've been looking for your whole life. Remember, we're not doing that once a week on Sundays. We're cultivating a lifestyle of joy. That means when you leave here, ponder the Savior. What is he doing? What has he done? What did it cost him? Ponder the Savior. So we, we do it by pondering the Savior, by the doing of service. Now, do you see the doing of service? Look in Matthew. It says this, Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers and the Gentiles lorded over them, and the high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be a slave. See, see, here's the thing. In our culture, it's all about me. It's about doing me. It's about looking out for me. It's about taking care of me. No, I got to, you know what? I'm just starting to take care of me. You've been doing that your whole life. No, you know what? I'm going to start loving me. Are you kidding me? You've loved you too long already. We have to start. We have to start serving others. There's a power that when we serve others in Jesus' name, and I know that some of you have served in our soup kitchens, in our food pantries, in our mom's ministry, like you've served, and there's something like when we talk about it, you go, you know, I don't know. I just loved it. And it wasn't like you were getting anything. And it wasn't like everybody treated you well. It's just, it was something beautiful. When we serve in the name of Jesus, we, we get to experience what Jesus experienced. He experienced it with pure motives, but we get to experience at least a little bit of what Jesus experienced in serving us. Because when we serve the hungry, we go, oh my gosh, that homeless person is no different than me. They're, listen, that, 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 that person with mental struggles, they're no different than me. I wonder how crazy Jesus thinks I am when sometimes I do the things that I do. Don't you see? It's by serving others that you start cultivating a lifestyle of joy, gratitude. Like you start going, oh my goodness, Jesus, that's what I look like? 
When I'm in rebellion, no, 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 they, they don't want any food. They just want money to, for their next hit, for their next drink. And you go, Jesus, is that what I look like when I'm chasing after a skirt? Is that what I look like when I'm chasing after the alcohol? Is that what I look, look like when I'm chasing after the food? You see, by serving others, we get to see an image of ourselves, one who is helpless to, be, um, to supply his own need. By serving others, we get to see that we too are helpless to supply our own need, and Jesus serves us with a much more beautiful service than we could ever give anybody else. Does this make sense? Okay, so we, we, uh, how do we cultivate a lifestyle? Remember, I'm not asking you to do this once a week. I'm asking you to do this all the time. And not, not first one, then two, then three, then four, like anyone that the Lord brings to your mind. How do we cultivate a lifestyle of enjoying Jesus? We ponder the Savior. We do the service. We meditate on Scripture. We meditate on Scripture. Do you see, do you see what the psalmist says? He says, um, he, goes, he goes, because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. And actually, I have a scripture that I forgot to put in my notes. Um, But it talks about Psalm 119. It speaks about delighting in the law of the Lord. Like, he's just taking it in. Just enjoying God's word. Beloved, listen to me. You will never, you will never, you will never, Cultivate joy in Jesus if you don't open up the book. You will never. You will never cultivate joy in Jesus if you don't open the book. And listen, two days ago, right, I, I have a habit. I do my devotionals. I sit in silence, I read scripture, I sit in silence again. I do stuff, stuff. Pretty much what we do in this service is how I run my own personal devotional time. I sing, I, okay. And there was this verse, and I still haven't gotten over it. It was Isaiah 30. It was two days ago. Isaiah 30, verses 18. Uh, I'm sorry. Isaiah, Isaiah 30, verses 15 through 18. And the passage literally said, in, uh, in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. And then it goes on. I I read that. It blew my heart away. But you know what blew my heart away even more? The next line. It said, but you would have none of it. You think I could have ever had that thought on my own? You think that that thought would have ever occurred in my mind if I'd lived a thousand years? You think that thought would have ever occurred to my mind? This is what the sovereign Lord says, the Holy One of Israel says, in repentance is rest is your salvation, in quietness and trust is your strength, but you would have none of it. There was a brokenness and a weeping before the Lord. Because remember, we're not cultivating a lifestyle of me first, ha ha, lifestyle, I got to be happy every second. No, we're cultivating a lifestyle of joy. And sometimes, in order to cultivate a lifestyle of joy, you got to you got to be broken first. How many, I wonder how many addicts in the room who have come from an addicted background can look back and see that the last day that they used was really the best day of their life because that was the straw that broke the camel's back. And when you were living in it, it was the worst day of your life. But now when you look back, you go, oh my gosh, that's the best day of my life. You see, beloved, it's a lifestyle. So we got we to gotta open the book. We got to, you go, I don't know where to start, literally. Go into um, uh, the internet 
and in that same search bar go uh, uh, a scripture study on Jesus. And then when they come up with 10 or 15 scriptures, do one scripture a day. Or open up your Bible. First book in the New Testament is a great place to start. The book of Matthew, right? And in fact, for this crew, why don't we start with the book of Mark? Just start. It's the um, second book of the Bible. Just read Mark. Read a little bit and then just go, God, I don't know what I'm reading. I don't even know what I'm understanding. Would you give me insight? Read a little bit and then go, God, thank you for this. And if he speaks and it explodes in your heart, beautiful. And if he doesn't, cool beans. Keep reading and do a little bit every day. Not 20 chapters on the first day and then nothing for the next two years. A little bit every day, right? We've got to. We've got to. If, in fact, we're going to cultivate a lifestyle of enjoying Jesus, we're going to have to ponder the Savior, do service, meditate on Scripture, and then, and here's the one that nobody does and that I just want to beg you to do. I need you to just listen to me. Would you just stop? Stop! Stop all the activity. Stop all the planning and plotting. Stop all the busyness. Stop all the temptation that you want to cultivate in your heart. Stop! Sit in silence before the Lord. You know how I do it? I do it with the scriptures. Because my, my mind is a sewer. And I can think of those. When I sit in silence... I could think of the worst, most awful things that you can possibly think of. And so I'm telling you, in the first minute, I'm thinking of the blood of Jesus. And by like second number 15, forget first minute, by 15 seconds in, I'm like, oh my gosh, the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus was red. Oh, little red Corvette. Oh, that girl in the red dress. You see how quick that happens? Like I just, I deviate easily. Beloved, we've got to sit in silence. We've got to ask God, what do you want me to do with what you just said? So if we're going to cultivate a lifestyle of joy, we're going to have to, let's say it together, all right? These four, we're going to say it together. If we're going to cultivate a lifestyle of enjoying Jesus, we're going to need to pondering the Savior, doing of service, meditating on scripture, sitting in silence. This, beloved, now watch this. Remember what I said about the gym? So what do you think is going to happen on the first day that you do this? You're going to look at it and you're going to go, well, that was uneventful. Or you might look at yourself spiritually and you just go, okay, all right, we're getting somewhere. Listen to me, doesn't matter. We're looking, uh, we're looking for a steady Remember what I said about growth, that it comes from Jesus, that it's incremental, and that it's a life, it, it takes a lifetime? Beloved, this is going to take a lifetime. And so this week, I want you to start a habit that's going to bless you your whole life. I don't, here's what you do. You take these four things. <clears throat> if you drive your car a lot, I want you to put it on your, um, you know, your dashboard, right? Put it on the part where, you know, the revs, where you never look at anyway, right? And just put it over that. And do, or, or put it on your fridge. Or, if, you want, if you're a real tech savvy, make it as a note that pops up on your phone each day at a particular time where you pause and 
You literally evaluate your joy in life by saying, have I pondered the Savior? Have I done service for someone not me or not in my clan or tribe? Have I meditated on the scripture? Remember what we say about meditation. It's not emptying your mind of everything. It's focusing your mind on the truth of God's word and truth of God, who God is and what he's done. Meditate on scripture. Sitting in silence. Now here's what's going to happen. Some days, uh, our, our joy is tuned to Christ. It's tuned to Christ. So you're going to fail at this. I want you to know that. And it's okay. Because our joy is in Christ. We can go, Jesus, would you bring me back to cultivating this desire? And then when you fail, because it's going to happen again, when you notice, oh my gosh, it's been three months, you're going to go, holy cow. I'm not, no, no, no. I'm not going to get discouraged. It's a slow process. When my kids started to walk, they didn't do a 100-yard dash. They did these crazy <laughs> steps. And then they fell. And we all celebrated. And then six days later, they did the same thing. Or maybe, you know, uh, two weeks later, they did the same little jive thing. And we all went nuts. I'm telling you, the angels in heaven, God himself, celebrates when as he's pursuing you and drawing your heart to pursue him, he rejoices when you respond. So, this week, what I want you to do, could you imagine what would happen? What would happen if this time next year you did this? If you did this every day, what would be your life by this time next year? I'm telling you, you would have less anxiety you know what else? You would have a heck of a lot more gratitude. You know what? You would enjoy, you would, you would endure your suffering better. Your marriage would take a turn. Like even if they don't change, your heart would so change that you wouldn't put your happiness in their back pocket. It would be in Christ because he would have drawn you. You'd look back and go, oh my gosh, I only relapsed twice on that thing this year. You would see transformation take place. My hope is that you enjoy that and that you cultivate a lifestyle of delight and joy.